Well, good afternoon, everybody. I am very excited for this week's guest, who's a vice president of industrial for a large portfolio based in Canada, and they're aggressively looking to expand into the industrial space even further. Uh, it, w- they own a number of properties, and they're also in the development space. So we're going to talk about industrial strategy, why they're pushing industrial uh, as, as much as they are, why they're so bullish on it, perhaps some of the pitfalls that we might see in the market, and really just get a good understanding from their level of owning a lot of industrial real estate where they see the market headed. So with that, Jamie, thanks so much for joining me on the call. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate the opportunity to speak to you about One Properties, our, our portfolio, and some of the some of the things that we're doing in the industrial space in, in Toronto and, uh, and across Canada. And like we were talking about before we jumped on this call, I, I know uh, of one quite well, actually, where, where they got started, the two of the guys that founded it, and to the, where it's evolved to today. Uh, but for those that, that don't have my uh, understanding of it, could you give some background on one, uh, maybe some history of it, and then size of the portfolio and where you guys currently stand today? Absolutely. So uh, one one was started in 1987 and uh, in, in Edmonton, and you are located in Edmonton, I'm, I'm located in, in Toronto. Um, so you, you might even have a, a better understanding of the of the the history and the and you know the early days of of what what one used to be in in WAM Western Asset Management, um, and it's grown over the years and and in in around 2012 uh, rebranded to One Properties. I I've joined uh, One just before the, the COVID nineteen pandemic uh, in January 2020, and so I've been I've been here for about three years. And we've got a uh, fully integrated, um, you know, asset management, you know, all the way through uh, a fully integrated portfolio management program from at from acquisition through to to property management. Uh, we operate in Edmonton, Calgary, and Toronto. Uh, we've got over forty-eight million of square feet developed since nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, and currently have just under seven million or seven billion square feet um, in in assets under management. Uh, I oversee our our Toronto industrial program and, and portfolio. That it consists of approximately five million square feet of big, mostly big box industrial warehousing, and 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 we have approximately 2 2.5 million square feet of industrial product that's in the pipeline in the development pipeline right now so so certainly an exciting time for that asset class and 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 the in in the in the in the greater toronto area we're we're looking at expansion in in other other areas of of the east and and we are actively you know, gr- growing uh, right now, and then we're, we're we're absolutely um, sort of excited for the future in in this uh, in this asset class and in, in our in our markets that we operate in. Yeah, and I want to dive into that further and just see why you guys are so bullish on industrial and what you expect uh, going forward. Whether we have some temporary hiccups with some perhaps downward economic pressure uh, to what the long-term horizon is. So I want to jump into that, uh, but just curious, what, what was your background before you joined one three years ago? Yeah. So I've, I've operated for uh, and, and worked um, in a approximately like 15 year career thus far uh, for public and private, um, you know, pension plans, REITs, asset managers, always on the landlord side. Uh, so I've, I've always operated 
through the on on what we call the buy side of the of, of the business, not 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 the sell side, and um, and so I've I've um, always kind of focused on the the commercial side of the business. So office, retail, industrial has been kind of my my bailiwick. And so I've 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 worked for a number of um, <clears throat> a number of different companies in in my career. Uh, I made the move from my initial start at Morgard Investments, uh, which was my my sort of initial foray in, into the business, which was sort of more public side um, asset management of, of existing a, a bit of development in there to pure development at a, at a group called Cartera. And so I spent about seven years at Cartera uh, building. Um, industrial, office, retail, and a bit of multi-residential uh, condo and, and, and rental buildings. There, um, I've 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 since moved to one and and decided to focus uh, purely on the industrial space. And it's been so far, it's been it's been an exciting space to to operate in uh, uh, and, and just focus on you know, as a singular focus, as it's been a, a, a pretty great run over the over the last, call it five to 10 years in the space, and, and even even more so in the last three years. I mean, you, you, uh, you spoke a little bit about some headwinds uh, that are that are on the horizon with, with some of those, you know, <clears throat> rising interest rates, and, um, you know, the the investment climates becoming a little softer than it than it was. We still see a ton of opportunity in the industrial space, and we're, we're we're excited about it. And I think it really just comes down to, um, you know, bu- buying right, right? I think I think there's there's good there's good assets in 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 an up market, and there's good assets in a down market. And you just want to make sure that you're um, <clears throat> you're th- you're talking about the fundamentals, right? And you're 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 thinking about um, what if this building that we're buying with a tenant uh, goes vacant tomorrow. Is this good real estate at the end of the day? And if and if it is, that means that the 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 your ability to release it to a new user, uh, to um, to many different users, to to different you know f- people, t- different companies that are resilient that will help help us you know build up that cash flow again. That's really the focus, and so. I think right now what what we're seeing is a uh, is is a is a market that's in in flux a little bit in the last three months with some of the interest rate increases, and we're really focused on, um, you know, we're, we we continue to see the leasing market in Toronto be extremely strong, uh, even in this this, this un, uncertain market, especially in the big box space. But but the investment climate is definitely cooling a little bit, and we're seeing that in valuations across uh, assets that we're that we're pursuing, and uh, and so it, it, it'll come down to kind of just being really uh, strong in your convictions when you're when you're when you're looking at new new investment opportunities, and that's that's kind of where where my head's at from a strategy perspective. Yeah, and I want to jump into this some more. And I'm really glad that you brought up the point of looking at a building that if the tenant were to leave at some point, what is the underlying value of the asset? And I think far too many people, especially those new into the into the industry, take that approach that they look at a building and perhaps it has a five-year tenant in there. Maybe the tenant's even been in there for 15 years before, and they think that they're buying an annuity, that that cash flow is just going to go on forever. When in reality, 
all tenants are going to leave eventually. Like no tenant is going to stay in the building. They could stay there for 50 years. Uh, they could stay there for one year, but all tenants are eventually going to leave the building. So you really need to have a firm understanding of what the value of the property is before just looking at it through the lens of you're going to have that cash flow forever. So I, I think that that's a really good spot to jump into on what makes a good building. So if you have the if you believe, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's kind of been my philosophy is that I, I always look at a property that eventually the tenant is going to leave. So you have to have an understanding of, like you said, is it a good property? Are you going to be able to release it? So it, diving into that even deeper, what makes a good property? And two-part question. I love doing two-part questions for some reason. I always get this idea in my mind and then it, it adds something on. So two-part question, what makes a good challenge, property? Challenge me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what makes a good property? And then the corollary of that is what makes a property that could be, like, have some major concerns about it? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I, I, I think that at the end, at the end of the day, you know, our, we own a wide variety of, of different types of real estate. Um, industrial on the industrial side, we own some older older generation uh, product that has lower clear height. Call it between eighteen and and twenty two foot clear, and that just is the me- is the the measurement of the um, of the height of of the the interior of the of the building that you can rack up to to from from the actual floor of the building. And then the brand new facilities that we are developing today on 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 a speculative basis without without tenants are are generally in Toronto forty foot clear and there and there's even groups and and there's buildings and developers in the in in the U S and, and even across Canada building higher than forty foot but I let's just call forty foot the standard for a new speculative building so that that's one thing is 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 clear height and and there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of differing opinions on that. You've slowly started to see clear heights increase over the years. Probably in you know 2000, you, you were seeing 32 as the new the new clear height, and and in the 1990s it was probably 24 to 28 foot clear, and it's just started getting uh, higher as uh, racking technologies and picking technologies to get goods have, have improved. Um, and we've seen a lot of our tenants and uh, a, a lot of tenants who operate in, in brand new industrial buildings invest in great technologies that al- allow them to operate in, in higher buildings. So that is that is really number one in terms of new development versus versus older generation product is, is the clear height and, and how high you can rack within a, within a, a facility. Um, you know. The the other thing is is loading loading bays. So we there's two types generally. There's two types of of loading bays in in industrial buildings. There's there's drive in drive there's drive in doors which you you'd like to have one or two in, in a building, and then and then you have truck level doors where where your 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 eighteen footers trucks would would come up and back up back up to and and either bring goods from the facility or bring goods to the facility. Um, so having, uh, adequate number of, of dock level doors and, and, a, and a few, uh, drive-in doors in, in your facility will, will ensure that if your current tenant in the building were to leave, you can fi- you'd, you'd be able to find, uh, a new tenant in the, in the distribution space who, who would require, um, you know, good, good, 
shipping, unloading, um, and, and that kind of that kind of thing in the facility. Um, you know, in terms of brand new facilities, we are building not just high to forty foot clear, but we're building we're building uh, pretty wide uh, bay bay widths and depths, and that is what the brand new you know third party logistics providers and um, warehouse warehousing operators want to, to enable them to to use the space as efficiently as possible, uh, and make sure that they're racking. Um, you know, isn't encumbered by 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 columns in the middle of the facility, which can get in the way of of how of how they operate and 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 move goods throughout the facility. So th so those are those are two big things, kind of inside is height, width, and and depth, and and how how people operate within the space. Um, outside of the facility, truck move, move movement patterns are extremely important. Mm -hmm. So can you access um, the the site with uh, with a truck through through one point of egress or is there another point of egress? Can you separate car traffic from from truck traffic on, on the site? Can you drive around the building? Is there multiple ways to to exit the building, or is there a pinch point at at the point of entry and and point of exit? That's super important for users and. That's a big, uh, big thing when you're looking at a site that hasn't been developed is how would we lay out a building here? We all want to maximize site coverage in terms of our development, but not at the, um, you know, you don't want to maximize site coverage um, to the detriment of, of your, of your, you know, how you move around the site and how users are going to operate around the site. So, the, so that's, that's another big, big thing that we think about when we're looking at you know, new development or or buying existing facilities. Um, the 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 last thing I'll 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 note and in Toronto it's it's an extremely important thing to certain users is is trailer trailer stalls. Trailer stalls are useful to certain users, but they're not they're not necessarily valid value to, to others. Um, but but when there's a user that needs extra trailer parking stalls um, on site. Um, it's really tough to find them. They're they're in very high demand, and and the vacancy rate for that type of that that type of stall um, for for these eighteen wheelers that that aren't moving, they just want to leave an actual truck there, is extremely uh, important to the right users. So, yeah, I think that that gives you a pretty good sense of kind of the difference between the older generation product and 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 what we would develop brand new and what we would kind of look to look to uh you know develop and, and make sure that we that we own in the event that 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 a building goes vacant or or that we're we're leasing it up for the first time. Yeah, that's very well said. And and a couple things came to mind as you're going through that. Uh the one being site coverage uh, and the ratio that you have between the building and the land. You're trying to maximize the amount that you can put on that land from a building standpoint, but the trade-off is that some of these companies need truck storage. So if you've maximized the amount of building that you have on there, you might not have enough for yard storage. I want to get your sense on the coming wave of electrification of, of these semi-trucks. And it's, it's coming faster than I probably would have thought. I think that there's eight or nine major companies that are all developing electric 
uh, to semi trucks. And with that, I read a spec on it the other day that the the time to charge these vehicles can be anywhere as short as an hour up to three hours in some case. So almost by necessity, these vehicles are going to have to be parked for some period of time. And it's not it's not coming anytime immediately. But I think that this will come in the next five to 10 years in a pretty big wave. What happens to these to these older buildings that, that just don't have the capacity to allow vehicles to park to be charged for two or three hours does that become another sense of like functional obsolescence on a on an older building that has no storage versus one that can accommodate that yeah no i think that's a great point you know on the you know on the sustainability side of things like i'm i'm seeing it i haven't seen the electrification of of trucks really start to move into the industry you start to you're starting to hear people talk about it right Mm -hmm. and 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 but but i'm seeing it on on you know personal automobile ownership and 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 and, you know in in my in in my in my group of uh you know people i work with and, and 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 my friends you're starting to see it become um you know, not the standard, but it certainly is moving that way. So I think from a building perspective, um, you know, leaving those additional spaces for, you know, automobile charging stations, we, that we've already, we've already moved in that direction. Every brand new building has, has, has an automobile parking station, uh, charging station. So what's the next step? The, all these trucks that operate, um, you know, are, are going to need that additional space in the yard uh, to to operate. And if you don't have trailer stalls to to opt to to, to um, use towards that that use, you are going to have to ghost them in on on truck level doors. And that means you you lose the operation of of a few truck level doors. And so, if you're starting off with an older building that has a low truck door ratio, and then you're using you know, two or three in the building to, to, to charge, um, to, 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 to charge your, um, you know, your, your electric vehicle for, for, for an hour or two, then you're losing functionality of that, uh, of those doors. And, and then, you know, efficiency is king in, in the, in, in the user space for, for us, right? Everything's built with, um, the millisecond in mind, right? How do we make this as efficient as possible? And we develop these buildings and, and the interior of the buildings, the, the exterior of the buildings to ensure that, um, you know, trucks can move efficiently throughout the space. And, and, and you know, the people who work in these buildings can, can operate safely and, and efficiently with, within the space. You know, you talk about electrification and what I'm thinking about, um, you know, with respect to our our portfolio, which is a big part of of our next move, you know, we're starting to look at net zero carbon uh, for for one of our buildings, uh, which is a five hundred thousand square foot spec build up in up in Caledon, Ontario. And this will be the first building in our portfolio that we're looking to go net zero carbon. Um, I'm certainly not the expert on this, but what what it basically you know means in a in a nutshell is we're trying to um, make the, the the building uh run as efficiently as possible so there'll be uh, it'll be more airtight than it ever was uh the the air quality within the facility will be a lot a lot a lot better than 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 it was before uh in previous designs the uh the r values uh on the roof and on the walls will be better, which basically just means in the summer, it will 
deflect heat and in the winter it will hold the heat in and 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 on the electrification front um you know there's there's different levels of of how how these buildings will be powered um and and part of that is we're building the structures stronger so that we can accommodate solar um pv in, installations on the roof and that's if you want to go and build um carbon net zero today number one thing you have to commit to is building is building solar on the roof so that's we're, we're very excited to be at the forefront of that at, at one and it's a you know i think i think we're just sort of at the at the early stages of that of that sustainability um focus and very excited that you know within the industrial space we can sort of participate in in that in that sea change that, that we're seeing in the market yeah, and I agree with you. There's certainly a trend towards that more environmentally sensitive building, not just from a construction standpoint, but from the operations of it as well. What's driving the decision to commit to a, a carbon neutral building? Is that like a company initiative where you, you feel that if you build it, they will come, companies will see that? Or are you already seeing the demand from tenants saying we want more environmentally sustainable buildings? It's a, it's a very good question because tra traditionally, and we don't necessarily have um, benchmarks for for past, um, um, you know, for, for for tenancies that 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 require it. Right? I, I I've built to to lead standard the lead standard before to lead gold standard in in facilities that I've developed in the past. And it certainly is important to certain users, and and to others they say. Give me the cheapest. Give me the cheapest building, and we're not going to necessarily pay you more um, because you are investing a significant, you know, amount more money in 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 getting this standard. Now, so 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 I think as a as a developer, as an asset manager, you know, when we represent our clients, we have to be aware that that this is an investment um, in in the real estate and. It could it could also help us uh, retain and 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 bring you know the the best quality tenants to our buildings. You know you are seeing ESG be such a focus for all of the major um, you know companies you know across the world. That is that is going to become such a uh, an important aspect of of how we operate and be good corporate citizens. And and sustainability is just a small portion of that. But but it is something that we're going to start to measure, and we're going to start to um, we're going to start to speak about in a different way when we can measure where we were ten years ago to where we are today, and and we can if we can help um, you know build industrial real estate that is in a position to 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 retain to attract and retain the best the best tenants, it will mean that our that our occupancy rates remain higher, and that we don't need to spend as much money. Um, you know, in 10 to 15 years, if and when these tenants leave, um, because they will be built to a to a better standard. The other thing is that they'll the, the operating costs will be will be lower on on some of these these you know um, carbon net zero buildings. Like the, we don't know exactly how much they will be how much lower they, they will be today, but they will be more competitive. And when we're talking about um, logistics providers that measure everything to the to the to the to the to the cent you know 
giving yourself the, the, the best opportunities to be competitive in this market is extremely important. And that's, that's really, that, that's really what's driving um, the move to, 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 to our, to our company-wide focus on, on sustainability. Yeah, you guys are definitely leaders in this space. And and I couldn't agree with you more. Like the conversations that I have uh, from doing this podcast, for one thing, and talking to people literally all over the world, to just talking to different tenants and different developers, ESG is coming in, in, in a tidal wave. That is a conversation that's happening at every boardroom level and how we can devote more to that ESG. So it it might seem like it's early days, but it's coming fast. Uh, and even, even beyond the, the ESG standpoint of it, I, I'm really diving into the solar panel space more because, and we kind of address this as well, You've got companies that will have electric vehicles at some point down the road. Might not be tomorrow, but it will be some point down the road. And then even to the earlier point you made about ceiling heights with companies uh, developing this advanced racking technology, all of this is going to require more power. Like the companies going forward are going to have significantly more power demand than, than companies that 10 years ago, they just had trucks come in and drop stuff off. And it might've been as simple as just having enough power to make sure you, you power your lights and some basic stuff. Now the automation, the electrification, it's going to be heavy power demands. So I think having solar on the roof, even if you just take off like the ESG hat for a, for a moment, and I, I don't want to diminish it because it is it is very uh, important right now, but even if you just take that off and look at it from an economic standpoint, if your building doesn't have enough power compared to one that, that does, that was built with that in mind, your options are to try to see if you can get more from the power company, and that can be prohibitively expensive, or you might be able to supplement it with solar. Uh, but then issues come up with that is the, the roof structure sound enough? Does, it was it designed to accommodate the extra weight that comes with it. So th- these are all challenges that I, that I, that I find really fascinating going forward uh, uh, on that. So th- thanks for diving into that. I had a couple questions actually, uh, that when you were talking about some of the key features uh, for the uh, the doors and and the door ratio. I know that every building is going to be a little bit different from a shape and dimension standpoint. But have you seen a good ratio on how many doors you want to have per thousand square feet, or just on uh, general what a good amount is? Sure. So it all kind of depends on how your site's laid out, right? If you if you have a longer a longer skinnier building. Um, that's not as deep, then then it then it's easier to get more more truck uh, like a lower ratio. So we we used to develop um, you know why um, you know big, bigger big box buildings to a a one to call it 7,500 7, square foot one one door per seventy five hundred, and in some of the brand new buildings that were that were build that we're building to that that is coming down to under five thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. So one door per forty eight hundred square feet, and that's generally um, you know every site's a little bit different and every site lays out a bit different. But 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 it's somewhere in between that. And in in some of the older generation buildings, um, the doctor ratios are, are much much higher. You, mm-hmm. You'd have one per per twenty thousand square feet kind of thing. But but but. On the brand new facilities, I'd say that would be the, the standard. And I wanted to touch on a little bit more just, just before we, we we jump off the the electrification piece, because 
um, you know, it, it, it is going to become so much more important in, in terms of how we how we operate within these facilities and and the power required um, as as electrification of these buildings become become you know more and more pre- prevalent. We are seeing our tenants and 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 a few tenants in particular try to maximize um, their their operational efficiency within these structures, and so they're building. Uh, conveyor systems, which which use lots of power, they are they are they are using um, systems that don't even have aisles. So they they are building thirty thousand square foot racking systems that use every available cubic foot, and then they have um, they have they have operating robots on top of that system that pick from the from the racking system and the racking system moves um in a in a three-dimensional manner so so there's there's just there's systems that are going to absolutely revolutionize the way that we operate not we but our tenants operate in in these facilities and and to your earlier point there's going to be more and more requirement for for power within these facilities and so if we can do our part from a, from a landlord perspective to help lighten the load on the, on, on, on the tenancy um, by, by bringing some of that power and, and not relying on the grid as much, then it's only going to help, you know, as we say, our tenants who are operating within the facilities and, and us as, as, as managers of the real estate. So that, that was just something I wanted to kind of touch on before, before we moved along. Yeah, it's a, a survey just came out from CB and they surveyed a number of different warehousing and logistics clients. And I, I didn't dive into like what the profile and how big they were, where they were located, but it was just, it was a survey of, of occupiers. And the three things, the three most important features that this survey group said that they were looking for in a new space, ceiling height, as you mentioned, uh, the amount of bay doors or dock doors. And third, which I found a little surprising was power. And that wouldn't have been the case five or 10 years ago that wouldn't have ranked that high up there but just like, like you said conveyor belts these automation systems like you, you see videos of an amazon facility now right now where they have all these little robots that are going and plucking pallets and they're bringing it back and, and like, that i would think that the factory of the future is going to look a lot different where there might be very few people actually working in them at least on the bigger scale i think that like the average size medium company is still going to have a demand for it but I, I have to think that these large companies like amazon if the the m- amount of money that they're developing in a technology is just going to require so much more power so I, I think that that will be a major trend going forward i i agree and and you know the the, the question always comes up you know when we're when we as the developer are trying to trying to sell the you know a, a municipality on on the jobs that that this type of facility will bring um will will bring them and how it will contribute to the tax base and and the thing that i see you know that that is surprising to me is that these facilities when you go in and see them operating there's still even if there's uh they're mechanized and even if they have you know um they they have conveyors they still rely on a ton of 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 human of human labor, mm-hmm. and I think that that's that that's key. That we still need to to to, to look at how how many automobile stalls we we we, we build, um, how many charging stations for cars that we're that we're building is becoming more and more important, and how close we are to public transit uh, with many of these facilities. That's extremely important because these buildings aren't mechanized 
fully. They are, they are, they are, they, they have mechanization within them, but they are still, you know, very reliant on, on human, human labor, um, which I think is, is, is great for the communities that we operate in, right? We, we, we don't want to just operate as a, as a fully mechanized facility. I think if we can contribute to the, uh, to the tax base and if we can, um, we can help, 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 you know, grow, grow, grow jobs and, and um, reduce unemployment. That's, that's a key, key aspect of what we want to do as well. Yeah. And even just on that thought, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, I don't think employees are going to be displaced. I, if anything, I think the jobs might just shift instead of having some more of those manual workers. I think it might evolve to people. There's more people needed for software or just maintenance on this machinery or quality control. So I think it might shift to some extent, but I, I agree. I don't, I can't see a factory that's just working with nobody in it or a warehouse with nobody in it. I think you're still going to need a lot of oversight to, to keep, to keep the machine figuratively speaking running so i, I agree with you for sure no i i hear you there i think it's um it, it's it's like any time where you have new technologies that are that are that are being brought into a space that's been operated in, in as a certain in a certain way for for so long you know it's it's kind of an exciting time in in the industry where um you know the, the the growth within the industry is fueling these new technologies, and and it's an exciting time, you know, to be a part of it because you can kind of mm -hmm. see see it and and see things change so so quickly. Um, so yeah, that that's 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 an exciting part of the the business for me. One more question before we shift, just to get your thoughts on current state of the economy, and and you touched on it earlier with with some of the strategy, but I want to dive into a bit uh, deeper. But one question, uh, just in the building itself, I think it was fourth or fifth on the same CB survey, and you did mention it as well. It's just the the column spacing or the column grid. So some of those older industrial properties might be like forty feet uh, on center. What are you seeing right now for modern buildings for that column grid? Yeah, so we will, you'll always have a brand new facility um, built with a, a loading bay that's that's deeper than than the rest of the, 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 the bays within the facility. And that is now, call it 60 to 70 feet deep. Mm -hmm. And and then the and then the width of every bay with with, with within the facility will be um, call it call it 50, 50 to 60 feet. And we're seeing, um, you know, it depends on the specific user, but, you know, to your point, if the older generation buildings were 40, the new generation facilities um, want to be closer to 60. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, 56 to 60 is kind of where we're seeing um, as, 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 as a, as a, as a, as a, um, as a point where most users will find that that works for them. If we're not building a, uh, you know, a design build structure for a specific user, that's what we'll, we'll build on spec to allow it to fit, you know, fit, fit the most amount of users possible. Uh, so we could shift to look at more of like a macro level either economic or even just more specifically for industrial real estate. Sure. What are you guys expecting here as we round out 2022 going into 2023? Yeah. So, you know, I, I touched on this a, a little bit at the start. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're obviously in a, in a inflationary environment right now after a, you know, a, a long run of a very cheap debt. And, and so that, that, that has been, 
a shock to the to the system that we've seen, um, you know, over the over the past six months. And it's affecting, you know, everyone in different ways, right? It's it's affecting, um, you know, it's affecting real estate owners. It's affecting our our tenants, and it's affecting you and me, right? Like, uh, at, at, you know, and so the 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 challenge that we're going to see over the next, um, you know, 12, 12 to eighteen months, you know, first of all, is is are, are consumers going to come back and spend money, um, and you know, Black Friday is tomorrow. Are our consumers going to come out and, and and spend money, or or is more of their 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 income tied up in um, tied up in their in their real estate and tied up in their in their in their mortgage payments? So that that that's going to be an interesting thing. Just you know, if I'm looking macro, but thinking down at a at a personal level, I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to see how our our economy reacts over the next um, the next few months. Um, if I if I shift gears and talk about the you know how it affects the industrial space, you know we've seen in Toronto um, a a historic three month run of of leasing in in our market in the industrial space, and so while it was a slow summer, we're really seeing deals get done in in, in the in, in the industrial space and our vacancy level with all the new deliveries that that are coming out. Um, it, uh, everything gets gets leased up, um, like in in most cases before it's substantially complete. So I remember back, you know, eight years ago, I used to attend a whole lot of and, and we used to host a lot of a lot of broker events at our buildings when they were complete. It's very uncommon to 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 get invited or or to or to host those events anymore because. 70% of the buildings that have been delivered in Toronto over the past three to four years were released up before they were substantially, substantially complete. Um, so that, that, that is something that I could change and it can change on a dime very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but for now, the market remains re resilient and industrial real estate is remaining resilient from a, from a user perspective. Um, there are still tenants who, uh, who who need space, and our vacancy level is is that is still remains at you know 0.5% historic lows. Now, shifting gears is a bit of a dichotomy within the market. Uh, the investment climate is is cooling. It's it's not as strong as it was three or six months ago. There there are less bidders at the table for 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 opportunities. You know the interest rate um, environment is. Uh, is leading to investors needing a, a bit more, a bit, bit higher of a, of a return on their investments. So it means that there's just that that's led to a, a decrease in valuation across, um, you know, a, a number of a number of different portfolios and individual assets. So there's still are are opportunities out there, and we should keep in mind that you know the, the market might have come down you know, slightly in the last, and, it, and it's a big, it's a big number on a percentage basis. If you look at where we were six months ago, but if you look at where we were five years ago, we, we've been on this historic run. So it's, it, it is a, you know, we, we need to sometimes take that 30,000 foot view and, and look at, you know, where, where we've come from and, and not just the last the, the last 12 months. And, and so that, that, that can be an important kind of way that we, 
we strategize and look at look at where we at where we're at and and then it really just comes down to you know how do we roll that into our strategy and as i said earlier um you know the fundamentals of the real estate are are paramount right because we as you mentioned want this you know want our buildings when they're fully leased to be to be a 10 to, to 15 year annuity and we want the tenant to 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 renew at, at at market rates when when they're when they're ready to renew but if they don't you want your the fundamentals of your real estate to be to be fantastic so that you can release them to a brand to a, to a new tenant if if they if they were to leave so i think we're really just you know we're we're being we are being careful about about our, our about our investment thesis today. We are looking at um, at at more existing buildings. We've got lots of development land in our in our portfolio that we're continu- continuing to move forward with. But we're definitely you know in, in a in a time where there's a bit of uncertainty. There remains lots of opportunities. You just have to uh, to make sure that, that that the fundamentals of any of any deal or building are, are there before you uh, you put your money into them. Yeah, very well said, and, and I completely echo that. Is that very few real estate investors or developers think with a one or two year horizon? So if we do go into a little bit of a economic downturn and headwinds, it seems to be the word that that everybody everybody defaults to is that there head, there's headwinds out there. If that's the case, then that that's that's possible. But if you're taking a longer term outlook, if you're if you're buying right or developing the right product and you've got that investment thesis that things are going to be better in a year or two than than they are right now, I, I completely agree is that it's it's a long-term approach versus trying to day trade real estate, which is I don't know anybody that's successfully day trading uh, real estate, at least at the industrial level. And I always find it peculiar when and, and the media's experts at this, they'll say this stock just dropped 15%. And that's the headline that they use. But they the backstory is it might have went up a hundred percent. So in context, it doesn't look nearly as bad, but they love these headlines of saying the markets just dropped X amount. When in reality, if it's still gone up tremendously and it's had a pullback, that's probably healthy because any market that continues going up at a at that pace is also unhealthy. So I, I agree with you. I, I think that there could be things there. And there's there's other investments even outside of real estate which seem a very speculative right now and and there's risk associated with that and and I'm sure some of those people have had sleepless nights seeing the volatility in their asset class looking at industrial and and the quick answer from you might be no but is there anything that keeps you up at night anything that worries you about the next and, and it can be short term it can be uh in the next six months if interest rates keep going up another two three hundred basis points that's a concern or it could just be something that a shift in in consumer sentiment where maybe there is a, a return back to more bricks and mortar and that slows the growth anything that kind of just a little bit back of your mind that causes you a bit of worry yeah i mean i i think i i'm 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 certainly um you know, I, I'd say ten years ago, I was I was a lot more of a of a of a doomsday worrier. But but I I think about um, I, I think about smaller smaller things. You know, individual um, you know challenges within our existing portfolio. I think about um, I, I think about you know how how we're how we're designing our 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 new new developments and 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 you know when we're trying to get sites entitled. I I, I really get into the weeds on on how we're how, how we're going to get 
to where we want to go, right? We're at, we're at this point today. We've assembled a team. How how are we going to get this this building built, and how are we going to get it leased up and and and, and operational at the end of the day? So I think from a from an economic standpoint, I'm not overly concerned about you know certainly there's going to be some headwinds as you said over the next you know the next you know 12, 12 18, 24 months that, that I, we all know that that that, that that's going to be the reality. I'm hopeful that it's you know, short-lived and we see some interest rate increases by by the Bank of Canada over the next, you know, month. And then 2023 is is a stable, is a stable uh, interest rate environment. And then we're, we all hope it comes to back down in 2024. And that seems to be the company line on that. I, I think as a as a as a Canadian economy, we're in a we're in a good spot. We're investing for the long term. So my, you know, what keeps me up at night are are the the little details on our developments and and how we can, you know, work together as a team to make sure that that we are building these um, these developments and 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 we're you know managing these assets with the fundamentals in mind. Yeah, great answer on that. You so you you said a little bit about your background on how you've worked in different asset classes and just kind of like on a personal side, I'm, I'm sure when you were talking to friends or family and you're describing what you did, you could say you're working like in office and retail and people are like, okay, I get that. I've been in an office. I've been, been in a shopping mall. I understand that. What, what would they say when you talked about industrial and what has been the evolution of that from 10 years ago when you said that you worked in industrial real estate to today? Has there been any shift in in what your friends and family think about the industry or even know about the industry? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fun, that's a great question. I, I, I think that when I got into industrial, it, it certainly wasn't the se- the sexy asset class, right? And, and it wasn't the asset class where, um, People had a good understanding of of what operated in these facilities, right? And 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 now, I think the pandemic has has accelerated everyone's understanding of 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 how goods you know get to your home, if 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 they don't if you don't go out and 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 buy them at a at a grocery store or if you don't go out and 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 buy them from a from a bricks and mortar retail. So there there's a there's generally a cultural a better cultural understanding of of why why industrial warehousing logistics um, and assembly manufacturing uses are are important to to our society and and to our economy. Um, so that wasn't there ten years ago. Um, you know, when I got into the industry, to be honest, I I, I didn't I, I it wasn't my it wasn't my choice to 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 jump into the industrial space because I, I I would have thought that you know the retail and the in the, the the residential space would have been a lot more exciting. It's something that I had a better understanding of. But I think I've been lucky in that I've been given an opportunity in in the industrial world um, that's allowed me to kind of um, to, to to learn about this this little. Um, you know, this little uh, part of our of our you know Canadian uh, real estate market, and really focus and, and learn about the you know what what makes this this tick on on our little sort of corner of the uh, of the globe here. Yeah, I share a similar story. I got into it accidentally as well. I was thinking office towers, big shopping malls would be like that sexy asset class, and stumbled into industrial, and just very glad that I did because for all the reasons you said, it's just it's it's unique, it's different. You get to see things being made. You get to see the you know, the grease that 
that uh, of, of the cog of the commerce, right? You get to see all of this stuff happen, and I found it completely fascinating as well. I agree. Um, yeah, like getting to walk through these 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 tenant spaces and how they how they operate, and you know, we talk a lot about distribution uses, but we also have tenants who who have you know who who, who have operated printing presses in, in their facilities. And mm-hmm. that certainly is a business that, that will be challenged over the next next little bit. But we 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 operate in out in Edmonton where you are. We 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 have a uh a, a hockey rink uh, and a and a training facility in one of our one of our industrial buildings. So that's really what makes these industrial buildings resilient is at the end of the day, they are cubic boxes that can can house a whole lot of different um, users and uses within them, right? And and so that's that's really what's made this asset class class resilient. And and I think we'll we'll continue to make it resilient in in the coming years. Yeah, completely agree. So, what are you guys excited about? Like, what do you got in the pipeline right now? What's what do you have got coming into twenty twenty three for for big projects? Yeah, so we've we've got uh, about two million. Two and a half million square feet of, of new development in the pipeline. Uh, we've got a, a project, two projects in in Toronto, um, totaling, call it, six hundred thousand square feet uh, of brand new logistic space. Uh, and, and so, one of those buildings will be delivering in uh, in April of of next year, and the other one will be midway through twenty twenty four. We've got the building. Uh, Caledon Industrial Park up in Caledon that will be built to that net zero uh, standard. That's going to be a single load, five hundred and thirty thousand square foot facility, which were it's probably on a, a mid twenty twenty four delivery as well. Uh, and and then we've got uh, some bigger land plays in in west of Toronto in 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 some in some smaller markets that we're excited to kind of move through the entitlement process and 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 get um, and take through sort of plant a subdivision um, and 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 get those um, up and running. So lots on our existing kind of development um, ledger and lot, lots in the pipeline and and then on, on the on the on the on the income producing side we have about five million square feet. Of existing product that we manage on behalf of our clients, and and so we, um, you know, we're, we're managing that on a day to day basis, and and trying to trying to build that um, with with the development program. Cool. Well, it's uh, I'm a big fan of uh, of your company and big fan of the local team, especially. It's uh, you you guys put together an amazing product, uh, and and really do want to thank you for just spending an hour with me and sharing your insights into this because I, I I love talking industrial and I always love hearing things of, of areas where I might not have uh, the full picture. So I really do appreciate. It. I I feel like I learned some things just having a chat with you. So really do appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this. Great, Chad. No, I've I've enjoyed our chat, and and thanks for making time for me today. And yeah, look forward to connecting next time I'm I'm out in Edmonton. Well, and likewise, if I'm in Toronto, I'll, I'll definitely reach out in advance, and I'll put your contact information, uh, your LinkedIn, and and one's website in the description. Any other way that that people can reach out to you if they had a question or just wanted to touch base? Yeah, the, uh, on the website, there's a the, my contact is on there, and um, yeah, welcome, uh, w- welcome, um, you know. Anyone who wants to talk about about real estate or any of our of our projects, we've got 
lots in the pipeline and um, we're certainly excited about bringing them to market. And so yeah, appreciate that opportunity. Awesome. I'll put I'll put your uh, the link to your specific uh, uh, profile on on one's property website as well, so people just can have a quick shortcut there. Great, great. Appreciate it, Chad. Have a have a great day. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Really, thanks again, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Bye. Okay, take care.